How's it going, everyone? This is the Cautiously Optimistic Podcast. Joe Marino, no Luke today. First time in the history of this podcast. But I'm not alone. We have a special guest, Curtis Schwartzkopf of the Charging Buffalo. Curtis, how you doing? Pretty good, Joe. Getting excited for the draft coming up here. Yeah, it's a week from tonight. A week from now, we will know who the three first-round picks will be. And that's really exciting. Draft is on a Thursday night this year, which as long as I've been following the draft for like the last 10, 12 years, I can't recall a draft ever being on a Thursday. I don't know about you, Curtis. Is this a completely new thing? Yeah, I'm a bit older than you, but this definitely feels very new to me. It's something I'm not used to, but um, I kind of like it. You know, rolls the second day on Friday, and it doesn't really take up a, your Saturday having to wait around for what's going on there, kind of like last year and years before that. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the 20, I think it was the 2013 draft, the one in New Jersey. They had round one through seven all on the same day. I'm pretty sure, at least. I thought that was pretty fun at least that i remember it that way could be yeah, wrong they're like trying to be like the nfl and drag it out as much as possible yeah yeah that was a that was a fun draft i remember the andre sakara trade where they traded up and got a the pick for jt conference i think jamie mcbain as well and they picked connor hurley i remember that was the year i was really hoping for zachary Fukali in the uh, second round i was really hoping they'd get him to be the Ryan Miller successor. but yeah, That was the Risto draft, right? Yeah, it was. Risto, um, Zadorov, Comfer, Connor Hurley. Yeah. Uh, it's a big Monaghan fan on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, on the TSN broadcast, they were talking about how Sean Monaghan's grandpa was really old and <laughs> active. And they were saying if Sean Monaghan's anything like him, he'll be playing until he's 50, which he's fallen off a cliff, so... Yeah, I don't know if that's going to hold up. But anyways, back at the topic at hand, the draft. And if you don't know Curtis, uh, he's been with the Charging Buffalo for quite a while. Big prospect guy. uh, Hosts his own podcast with Austin Broad, the future of the 716 podcast. Definitely check it out. The quality content when they upload. Big fan of it. Also, give him a follow on Twitter. And his his personal account, as well as the podcast account, if you want to shout that out really quick, go ahead. Yep, I am at Curtis NHL Draft, and the Sabres prospect one I do with Austin is at 716FuturePod. All right, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely give those a follow. Also, Austin's going to be on the podcast after the draft to recap it with I'll be on for sure uh, if Luke's work schedule is more clear by then. Uh, he will also be on as well. Don't worry, Luke is not booted off the podcast. He's, he's got some uh, work conflicts, so everything will be okay. But okay, now into the content here. Right, We'll start off how the draft is going to start off, basically. Uh, Shane Wright or Yuri Slavkovsky? I didn't really expect this to be such a big debate at this point in time, but Bob McKenzie's draft ranks just came out and Uri Slavkovsky was ranked number one. Corey Pronman of The Athletic just put out a mock draft today where Shane Wright was going number four and Slavkovsky was going one. So 
I think we're both in the same position here. I think we both have Shane Wright as our number one prospects. But do you think it's close, at least? Do you think Slavkovsky should be in the discussion to be number one? And do you think he'll go number one? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's going to go to one number one. I know there's a lot of hype around that lately, and I just don't believe it. I think it's really hard to pass on a player like Shane Wright, who, you know, playing a center position, and, you know, he, he plays a very well, a very strong two-way game. And with, with him, it's, you know, he didn't really take the next step that people thought he would, but you have to remember that he missed an entire season, his draft year minus one, after putting up, you know, like pretty historic draft year minus two numbers that, you know, raised up the level of expectations for him headed into this season. And, you know, he kind of failed to, you know, build off that and take that giant leap in production. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because, you know, if you look at what Sapkowski did in Liga, he didn't, Put up great numbers at all so it's interesting that the conversation is all oh, look at right he didn't put up numbers in the ohl but and then and then they point to slavkovsky as like being good enough to challenge him for number one but meanwhile you know while it is a tougher league slavkovsky didn't exactly you know light it up where you know it's uh, it's, it's a tough situation um and i think that the gap is definitely closed uh, a lot from where the season started and that you know slavkovsky has done a lot to earn consideration for first overall I personally wouldn't um and I think that you know without the Olympics and how good Slavkovsky did there with scoring all those goals uh, he probably isn't even in consideration at this point in time but they did happen and you know he's a huge winger who's got um a very I think a raw skill set you know he's got some great tools um and there's the huge frame there obviously but um how's it going to translate to the NHL and I think he has a very high ceiling. I don't know that he gets there. Uh, I think Shane Wright, you know, really projects to be a guy that is a can't miss. He's going to be a very good two-way player uh, with some really good underlying metrics. And I do think that the offense is going to take a step up. You know, his shooting percentage was way down this year. Um, maybe not as high as it was in his draft year minus two, but um, it definitely took a huge dip where, you know, he's probably somewhere in the middle. So that production dip that, you know, or the, I guess the production not being as high as people thought it would be, you know, I think really kind of over-exaggerated um, just how, how, I don't think he had a bad year at all. It's uh, just kind of rough when people are looking at him from a production standpoint only. Yeah, you look at his point production, at least it's pretty good. Like he was in the 90s for points, well above point per game. I watched probably a good like 10 to 12 Kings and Frontenacs games this year. Uh, they were probably one of the teams that I watched the most out of all of the CHL teams. They were fun. They were yeah, fun they're guys. a really fun team. Ludwinski, uh, Luke, uh, Lucas Edmonds is a guy that is someone that really interests me for a late round pick. But yeah, they're a pretty fun team. And, you know, I think I might have just been watching them during Wright's like really like down part of the season because he didn't really wow me a whole lot but like you can tell like this guy is a special talent and he's gonna be a good player he's not uh i won't call him overly dynamic but he's more of like a cerebral think the game through i didn't really get to see a whole lot of his elite shot that a lot of people talk about that we saw at the world under 18s last year but I, I would still pick him number one. I think 
a lot of people are overthinking this yes without definitely. a doubt and i think we we see that with a lot of guys who are pegged to be the number one guy like years in advance i, I look at like a jacob chikrin in 2016 pegged as the number one guy over evaluated drops down a little bit i think Wright's gonna end up going number one but i think a lot of people just overthink decisions like this yeah especially with Slavkovsky having such a such a great olympics i think it really kind of the international play can really buoy your draft status oh yeah for sure if nhl players were at the olympics i think it's pretty safe to say that he doesn't have an mvp caliber olympic but even like he's still playing against pros it's no slight against them yeah i don't want to take anything away from same thing with the the world championships you're getting at least some nhl players there some people uh, will poo poo him performing well against the bad teams but everyone does good against the bad teams so can't really take that away from him uh i think after the world championships that's when i propped him up i had him in my top five i think i have him at two now but as i made my tier list yeah i finished it yesterday i have them all in a tier i don't i don't i still think shane wright's the number one guy but i think it's been very closed off with uh slavkovsky logan cooley and simon nemitz i think they're all in the tier what do you think yeah i've been uh tinkering with my final ranks and trying to put together some tiers um i do uh, without giving away too much i do have slavkovsky in the next tier um and with Wright in tier above that um you know it's for me, and I've talked to Austin about this before, you know, you know, I see the, the tools he has, I see the size and, you know, there's so much there that you want to like. And for whatever reason, every time I watch him, I just can't fall in love with a guy like, like I feel like I should be able to, and I just can't put my finger on what it is about it. Cause I, you know, there's so much to like there and there's just a part of me that, you know, I watch him and I'm just like, I feel like he should be more elite than he is out there. And I think that's where I struggle with, you know, elevating him to that top tier status. Do you think he's going to play in the NHL next year, whether that's in New Jersey or Montreal? It's pretty safe to say he's probably going to go in the top two, but he, what do you have like 10 points in Liga this year? Something close to that. Yeah, at least. It wasn't that many. Um, yeah. It was kind of, yeah, I think it was like 10 points in 30 something games, but uh, yeah, I think he probably uh, takes a, crack at it he he might make a roster just you know the physical size and he has shown that he can play against men so um, i think he's one of maybe a few guys that are capable of stepping right in on day one Um, i don't know that he's going to be very impactful right out of the gate but you know i i wouldn't be surprised to see him start day one on opening night just because of the size Mm -hmm. uh okay moving on to the next topic this is something that i thought about yesterday hypothetical scenario here because i we talked about you were on the podcast last year going in the draft the 2021 draft was crapped on quite a bit and called weak and now i'm starting to see people call the 2022 draft class a little weak which is kind of surprising because i remember last year i was like oh just wait for 2022 it's really good and i do think it's a pretty good draft class but how would you compare the strength of let's talk about the first round at least the the depth of the class compared to last year and maybe even next year to the 2023 class which is already being hyped up to be probably the best since 2015 yeah so uh, i think 
you know, I am in the boat that I think that this year, you know, while it maybe looks a little down, um, if you're looking at it from the top perspective, like, you know, you don't have that high-end supreme talent, I think, and, you know, Shane Wright's lack of production, in quotation marks, uh, I think is playing a factor in this because he hasn't been able to say, yes, he is the consensus number one guy, whereas, like, you know, last year was Owen Powers, and then you had Benir McTavish, you know, some guys there that are, like, real high-end talents, Eklund, um, whereas, you know, you know, this year, uh, I, I don't know that, that it's interesting. I think that the maybe the top 10 last year was a little bit stronger. And then there was kind of a big drop off where the talent level um, wasn't as deep. Uh, whereas this year, I think maybe that top 10 isn't as strong as last year's, but it, after that, you know, it, it is, there's very little difference in the guy you're going to get it maybe like 11 and 25. You know, those are all kind of guys that are, you know, in a tier of their own or like two very close tiers. Um, and then the final, you know, like 10 guys in that top 32 are, you know, not much further off than that. So it's, it's deep in the sense that you have like maybe 20 or 30 guys who are all very, very close to each other and what type of upside they present. Whereas, you know, last year, you know, maybe the top five to 10 were uh, a little bit better um, quality wise than this year's top 10, but you know, the, the drop-off happened after 10 and, you know, looking forward to 2023, you, you said it, this, I mean, it's looking like a very, very elite. Obviously, it's headlined by Bedard and Mishkov. And, you know, we, we touched that on the draft guide, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on this. But, um, you know, those two guys are you know, supreme elite, elite talents. You know, you, you tend to throw the word generational around a little bit too much. But, you know, I think with Bedard, he definitely fits the bill. And Mishkov definitely is someone who's trying to also earn that title of a generational talent. And then after those two guys, you know, you look at it and there's another five or six who in a regular year would definitely be considered for first overall, you know, Adam Fantilli. Well, there's another one that's just, it, it's a ridiculously talented group. Um, there's a bunch of Slovakians that are coming out that are really good as well. And I'm just getting really excited about that draft class early here. Here's a hypothetical for you. If Owen Power was eligible for the draft this year, do you think he would go number one? Yes, I think so. I think the size and the skating, um, I think it would probably trump what Wright had done. Um, I think, I, I, and it comes back to the whole, you know, Wright's expectations coming into the season were super high. And then because he failed to like live up to those, um, people would naturally be down on him. I think that I would take Wright over power if I were given the choice, but it's, it's very close. And, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to power because I think he's really made a lot of strides in his game in the past year. And I wasn't you know, the biggest advocate of taking power number one. You know, I was a big Eklund fan last year. You and uh, I but, both. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, power's done a great job. And, you know, I think that, you know, Wright is, is a very good player in his own right and, you know, deserves consideration, but it, it would be very close between the two. Yeah, I agreed. I think I would probably lean on power, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I think a year ago, if, I would have asked you that question. I think we both would have in a heartbeat said Shane Wright, but like Absolutely. you said, didn't really yeah. live up to those expectations. Uh, definitely going to be an interesting draft, but what I'm really keying in on here, the Russian prospects, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, do the Sabres 
go all in on the Russians again and try and double down and try and feed off of all the uncertainty here because I think that's a really smart thing to do. You're going to see these guys fall down a lot. How much? Not really sure, but I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to fall down with the war going on in Ukraine, all the uncertainty. So do you think that the Sabres should continue to look at drafting some Russians here, Danila Yurov specifically being connected to them at the 16th overall pick? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's a case where, you know, because we have three first-round picks and, you know, many others afterwards where you know, it, it makes some sense to take a little bit more risk, especially when the value kind of hits um, like a guy with your, like a guy like Yurov um, or even Marash Nachinko, you know, those two who I think arguably are bona fide top 10 talents who are you know, more likely to be taken after 10 when in Marash Nachinko's case, you know, obviously he's got the health concerns there that, you know, teams will have to lean on their medical professionals to figure out what's going on. And obviously we wish the best for the player first and foremost, but, um, you know, those are two guys that, you know, you get, you add in the Russian factor, like what's going to happen with them, you know, the state of the geopolitical situation and how are they going to, you know, fall on this board. And I think there's um, reading around a little bit, you know, it seems like some team executives are, you know, it's, the directions coming from ownership and ownership's going to say, yeah, you know, it's treated like a normal thing or other ones are going to say, hey, you know what, we want nothing to do this, no Russians this year. So uh, I think because of that, and the team is probably taking some of these guys completely off their boards. You know, you are going to see a lot of them fall. And, and when a guy like Europe, you know, if he's sitting there at 16, you know, that's top 10, arguably possibly a top five talent, you know, you take a swing on a guy like that and, Marashnichenko, same thing, but I mean, he's got even more question marks associated with him. So it's, it's tough. And, you know, I think there's a, if the Sabres, you know, with their draft capital, they're, you know, they've got a nice pipeline going right now, you know, they could be a little bit more risky in, in some of these guys they take that, you know, you could get like the next Capriza because of like, just how good some of these guys are and how far they're going to fall. Yeah. I'm completely with you there. I'm, I think I've been thinking for months now that Yurov is a guy that for that 16th pick or the middle pick before we even realized where that Vegas pick was going to be. Um, I think he's can't miss player. And funny enough, I pointed this out earlier in the day in our group chat, the middle, the, what they picked last year for Rosie and 14th, something like that. Their mid teen pick two years in a row could be a guy who, just does not get much ice time played like half the year in the KHL this year. And I saw something like he was averaging like 30 seconds a game, like something ridiculous (laughs) like that. So yeah, you couldn't like scout him in the KHL because you know, it's like you get like two or three shifts and (laughs) that's nothing to go off of. But then you like see him dominate in the MHL, which is their junior level. And of course he's doing well there. So it's like you said, it's very interesting because it's like Rosie in that sense that he's getting the opportunity at the junior level and, you know, dominating but then he comes up and has no opportunity for the top level league yeah so hopefully he's able to get some time next year in the khl more ice time at least anything would be better than what he had this year um i'm gonna try and see what his contract situation is like i don't know if you know it off the top of your head but let's I'm see i'm pretty sure i saw that he was got one more year okay one more year. so hopefully he doesn't get forced in the staying there long term like uh like a Caprizov situation where the Sabres would have to wait 
five, six years for him to get out. But luckily for the Sabres, they already have somewhat of a foundation set. Like it's going to be hypothetically, if they do bring all these first round picks in immediately, like say in the next two, three years, they're going to have to make some difficult decisions. And if, you know, good problem to have all these guys hit, you're going to have to make some moves, some difficult decisions. So silver lining with the Russians, they can stagger this a little bit. And then when the time comes or they have to move a guy, oh, here's Poltapov and Yurov, and they come in and slot right in and fill those spots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Any other Russians that are catching your eye besides Marashashenko and Yurov for potential first or even second round picks. Oh yeah, Gleb Trikasov. He has been, you know, I, I've been big on him since like I feel like November, and then, you know, at the time, you know, I felt like I'm, I'm watching, and I'm like, I feel, this guy's like a top fifteen player, and I'm, I'm, I see people have him like ranked outside the top thirty. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, am I <laughs> am I going crazy here? Like, why why am I like so high on this guy? Why does he look so good? <laughs> and then you know, I think um, you know, over the course of the next couple of months, you know, you start to see Trikasov start to rise up ranks and people really start to respect what he does there. And you know, I think the tough part with him, you know, I think obviously playing in the the junior level in Russia and you know he's he's a good sized winger. Um some ability to play center. Um, I don't know. I think he's probably better off on the wing in the NHL, but uh, you know, he's, he's so good at driving transition, Like he's a freak and he just loves to hang onto the puck. He'll use his body to shield it. And he's a guy that, you know, because of that Russian factor, I think you could certainly see him fall even to that second round pick possibly. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see him taken in the top 20 because he is mm-hmm. that talented and, um, He's he of the Russians probably has the widest range of variants I've seen in ranks and someone that I have no gauge on where he could possibly go. Cause I think even, I've even seen a rank where he was like in the sixties and, you know, is that talent based or is that, you know, situation based or a combination of the two? So it's, uh, it's really tough, but he's one that I would love to have on our, uh, on our team. Oh, for sure. I, Jeez, where did Bob McKenzie have him? I feel like he might have had him in the 50s. I hope so. <laughs> Something crazy like that. Oh. That'd be nice. Maybe in the third round, yeah. the Sabres can maybe grab him. Yeah, I think he's a first round be, talent. Oh, yeah. If you can get first round talent in, at pick 41 or even in the third round, I think you take that all day long. I'm looking at Bob's rankings right now to see if I can find it give me one second here he's not in the 40s oh geez he's really down here maybe i just passed him i probably (laughs) just passed him Uh, okay well he's low i'm not gonna waste more time trying to find him but yeah uh gleb's gonna be really interesting prospect going into this draft so without giving too much away for the charging buffalo draft guide we're gonna go through a couple options for each of the sabers first four picks here uh we'll start with ninth overall uh why don't you give one or two guys you're zeroing in on at ninth overall all right um i'll go with uh jonathan the karamaki as one um, i think he there's a realistic chance that he does fall to us so in the back of my mind, I've, I've just had this gut feeling that, you know, with him being Swedish, you know, this is a Detroit guy through and through, you know, they're going to take him right before us. 
Um, but there is a slight possibility he does fall to, to nine. I think there's no chance he makes it to 16. But, um, you know, Makiramaki, the big thing with him, the shot, lead, elite shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get him, you throw him on the right wing. You know, you got Quinn with another elite shot. Um, you know, I mean, we have a, you could have a team of just very, very high end shooters when you throw in like what Tage can do. Um, I really like Lakaramaki. And I think that, you know, with him, uh, you know, obviously he's got the offense and the skill. And I think I've seen some people, you know, kind of question how is he, how's his two way game and, you know, kind of throw some shade at that. And, you know, in my viewings of him, I, I think I see a guy that, you know, maybe he's not, you know, as physically able to impact, you know, the defensive side, side of the game there's a commitment there to play some good positioning. And I think, you know, as it gets bigger and stronger, his defensive game is going to come around a little bit more because, you know, uh, from, from what I've seen, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He makes some good decisions and it's just, you know, there's the physicality of it at times isn't, isn't there to truly do what he wants, um, which, you know, I think is, could be frustrating for a player like that, that, you know, wants to be a better impact on that end of the ice and just can't because of the physical reasons. Um, and then somebody else, I think we'll go with, uh, you know, another uh, Sabres Twitter favorite, um, Frank Nazar, you know, he's so dynamic, so fast. He is extremely fun to watch. You just, this guy can fly on the ice and he can use relentless in the puck pursuit, especially on offense. I don't know, I seem to be getting whispers that, you know, he's not on our radar at ninth overall, but he is yeah. very talented and would be a you know bona fide top six guy for us in the near future. It seems like every single athletic mock draft that comes out has Jonathan Lakaramaki going to Buffalo at nine. Besides yeah. one, I think I saw Korchinski going, uh, which that would be uh, not something I would enjoy very much. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Nazar going in probably 16. And we can segue into that now, yeah. but uh I see, like, I'm going to go back to the mock drafts. I see a lot of Lakaramaki and Frank Nazar, and I think that would be a plot. Like, the they can draft off the board by 20, 20 picks projected for the rest of the draft, the rest of their nine or 10 picks, whatever they've got. And I still would give them an A plus if they can walk away in the, with their first two picks with those two guys. I'd be super excited oh, yeah. for the future. And you look at, Lakaramaki at nine and like your right side is set. You've got him, you got Quinn, you got Alex Tuck. Those are your three top three right wingers. Like that's a, that's a pretty good foundation right there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're going to load up and, you know, be in a really good shape, you know, in the next two, three years here. Mm -hmm. And I'm big Frank Nazar guy. I've got him. I want to say like rank five or six. He'd be a huge get really skilled two-way centerman. Uh, you can never have enough goal scorers and enough centermen, and that's something the Sabres have been very thin on for like 10 years now. So I'm all for getting those two guys. And you mentioned how Lakaramaki is a big, he just screams Detroit pick. I'm with you there, but I also think Marco Casper is just screams Detroit Red Wings too. So I think... Wherever Detroit goes, whether it's Casper or Lakaramaki, I feel like Buffalo is going to end up with the other one. I have a gut feeling that Marco Casper could be a saber. Yeah, I don't think there's – it would be really hard for us to mess this up. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, how about a doomsday scenario at nine? What do you think? Like, what would shock you? Because like the easy, I, it seems like they're all in on the European guys, like Karamaki, Casper. I think Savoy is an option, although who knows what's going on with him. Uh, I could see him going to Ottawa. Uh, yeah. if, I, if he goes past ninth overall, oh, man, let's talk about a fall from grace yeah. going from, <laughs> geez, the, the top three a year ago would have been uh, Wright, who he might not even go first overall anymore. Matthew Savoy and Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert's got the talk about variance. Like who, who knows where he's going? Um, Lambert's a guy at nine that I think that would generate quite a stir on Sabres Twitter. Yeah, definitely would. We're talking about Doomsday. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Lambert as a Doomsday. I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I would if it if that were our only pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you there because we have the three. I think it's more palatable to to do something like that. Um, but you know, for me, a doomsday, um, yeah, I just, cause I've seen him like rise up lately, you know, pretty high at some rankings and some mock drafts on Leon McDowell. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a lot to like there in him, but that's just too rich for me to, to take him at nine, even 16. You know, I think you know, he's left shot defenseman. He's massive. He's, he's got man strength already. You know, he's doing very well defensively in SHL. Um, and I think he does have some untapped offensive upside there, but, you know, I, I see the skating, I see some struggle on, you know, the backwards crossovers, you know, maintaining gaps with guys that attack him with speed. And for me, I'm just, that's just way too high to, to take a guy like that. And, you know, I understand he is a left shot guy, but he can play the right side. So, you know, there's not, it's not the end of the world that you add another left-handed defenseman because, you know, he does have that versatility, but, you know, that's just too much for me. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you right there. He has just become a very big Sabres Twitter darling overnight, seemingly. Um, I've been thinking about this. Is he just skyrocketing up because he's big? Because I, I just can't stand that. Because I look at a guy like Lane Hudson, and I think, okay, if this guy was 6'3", he's probably going in the top 10. But if Leon Bischel was 5'8", if he was Lane Hudson size, where is he going? Like the third round? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, not, like, but the, but the size and the strength yeah. is what, you know, is what makes him, you know, he is tough to play against. You know, he he is physically outwilling and outmuscling, you know, men and guys that have, you know, played years in the SHL. So, like, he is physically there he's physically ready i mean you, you talk about a guy who you know might try to challenge for a roster spot on opening night just because of the sheer size right um you know i think he does have some work to do on on the skating department because i you know i think you know you see you, you try to compare him to, to owen power and you know what a great skater power is you know just how much no pun intended but how much power he's able to get in each stride and how much ice he can cover in such a short amount of strides um but that's not the case with Mikel, where he is uh, just the lateral mobility isn't there there's things that he needs to change in that stride and, and get that you know short area of quickness going to help him recover and and challenge guys that are coming at him with speed and you know it's only going to get harder at the nhl level so there's um there's some risk there i think he's going to you know turn into an NHL player absolutely I have no doubt about that but um, can he 
pull together some things to really reach that ceiling. And I don't know how high that ceiling is. Okay. How about uh, one or two names for 16? I think we're, we can both agree Frank Nazar at this point, probably more of an option at 16 than nine. Also, Danil Yurov, we talked about him already. Uh, could you see them going after a defenseman at pick 16, or we probably more on the discussion for forwards at this point? I, for me personally, I think it's, you know, forward is the easy pick here. Um, you know, if you are going to go defenseman, you know, it's, um, a Matejchuk is definitely somebody you'd want to consider. I mean, even a Korchinski, I think you could you make an argument for. Um, but, I mean, again, these are left shot guys, but they're, you know, dynamic players who can, you know, move the puck up ice and, you know, help generate offense, which, you know, is not a bad thing. Uh, but I think, you know, they're all, these guys are all a very similar tier. And I think that, you know, um, you give the edge to the forward in this particular case because you know, none of these options are, are right shots where you know you might want to give the tie to them just for the organizational need. Um, but Mishar is another one that I really like um, around this pick 16. I think, you know, judging by McKenzie's board, I think he might end up actually being closer available to 28, but I think the values there, he's a guy that I have kind of around my, my top 15 talent he is a very, very versatile forward who has high-end processing ability. He sees the ice wheel and he's able to manipulate guys and kind of attack the net in you know different ways. You know, he's not very predictable. He kind of attacks in a, a unique way every time and just kind of takes what's there. So if they try to defend, you know, one lane against him that they think he's gonna go, he'll just go another and he's just able to move guys around. So you know, that type of intelligence, um, you know, and I think he's a versatile guy that can you know play the center or the wing as well. Um, I, I really like him. And I think he's a, um, I don't know about dynamic as much, but he's, he's so creative and, and so smart with the puck. And uh, he is one that I would love to have. And if he falls us at 20, I definitely jump on that. Um, it would really be tough to pass on, you know, one of the right shot guys there, right shot defenders at that point, um, if Mishar is still there. Yeah, I think at 28, 16, I'd be happy. At 28, I'd be super excited to get Philip Mishar. Uh, you mentioned the right shot defenseman at pick 28. Uh, I You got to think they're probably going to pick a right shot D at either 28 or 41, right? I, I'd be, I think yeah. a lot of people would be let down if that didn't happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of them in this class too. You know, if you, you look at it there, especially like when you kind of get into the back end of the first round, early second there, there's a guy, there's a ton of them that are, you know, they're, they're all very good in their own way, but um, you know, you're going to have your pick of the litter pretty much, you know, like a, a Tristan Leno, who I think, you know, some people aren't as high on, but uh, he's a guy that you did. He got hurt uh, right before the season even started in the QMJHL. And you know, I don't know that he was ever really a hundred percent as the year got going. And, you know, as he, as the year went on, he definitely got better and, you know, played really well in the playoffs. Um, but I think he skates really well. He's a pretty smooth skater. Um, he's got some, not overly, he's not overly offensive, but, you know, he does chip in here and there and, uh, you know, defensively he's very sound. You know, some, he's not a perfect prospect by any means. Um, Cause I think that you know, without the injury, he probably would be more of a consensus first round pick than he is at the moment. Right. Um, but he's a guy that you know, I think he has such good hockey sense. He is definitely going to be an NHL player, maybe more in the, the second pair roles, like a ceiling, but, you know, at that stage of the draft, you know, and especially in a position of need, you know, that's, 
he's one that I've really liked, you know, even going back to, to last season. Um, when you want to talk about another guy, you know, there's Matthias Howell, I think he's you know, a Swedish guy, a little bit smaller. You know, I think he's got to build on some muscle, but he's got a lot of good offensive mindedness to him. Um, I think, you know, somebody you might like, and if you want to chime in and start talking about him, uh, Ty Nelson, like what are your thoughts there? Uh, I, he is just a super fun player. I, I love Ty Nelson. I, I think for from the Sabres perspective, I think they're probably going to steer clear of the reckless abandon type as far as uh, defensemen go, but I I would love it if he they added Ty Nelson to the system. He's just – the handful of times I watched him this year, he's just – he's not afraid to jump up into the rush. He's super fast, like great skater. Oh, yeah. Uh, not afraid to throw the body to like, yeah, he's short, but he's, he's like a stocky kind of short. I think he's just shy of 200 pounds already. So uh, maybe not a 28, but you know, he's, I think he was ranked in the fifties and Bob McKenzie's ranks. So if he's there at 41, I wouldn't be afraid to pick him. I'm pretty high on Matthias Hovland too. I think yeah. he would be a solid option at 41. There's, Plenty of Ryan Chesley too. Oh yeah, off yeah, to University of Minnesota. Right-handed Ryan Johnson, basically. I think he's exactly. That's a good comp. He's a maybe. You know, having both of them there, maybe they play together. University of Minnesota next year. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Why don't you sign on the dotted line? But hopefully, hopefully they go away with a nice quality right shot deer too, yeah, whether that's it, 28 Casey, and or 41. Salamonson. Yeah. There's, there's just a ton of these right shot defenders, like all around that, you know, top 50 range. And Sam Renzel too. Yeah. Renzel. <laughs> yeah. There's I'm kind of surprised that the right shot D are projected to go so low. Cause usually the consensus is your right hand defense. When you go a little higher, and boost your draft stock a little bit, but it seems like they're all supposed to go in like the 25 to 40 range. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe that'll be the surprise on drafting all the forwards fall. Yeah. You know, like maybe a Brad Lambert falls to yeah, 28 and Robin's mock. Here. He went to Edmonton with a 29th pick. So, geez, I, if they walk away with Brad Lambert with a 28th pick, that's you're swinging for the fences there. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially today, the, the news out of the WHL, his rights were traded to the oh. Seattle Thunderbirds. So I think he doesn't have a contract going into next season in Liga. So it's probably a safe bet he's off to the WHL next year. Will blow up. Yeah, I I would pick him at twenty eight and be super excited oh, because yeah, Brassmaster would love it. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think Brass would pick him ninth for without even thinking i think at 28 he'd be over the moon and i think yes if lambert played in the whl this year i think he's probably consensus top 10 maybe even top five yeah Uh, even the couple games at the world juniors before i got shut down i think he really had a chance to raise his draft stock quite a bit and he was probably the biggest victim to the world juniors getting shut down because he his chance to really improve that stock was put to a stop. So I'm a Brad Lambert believer. I always like to bet on skill and speed. Those are my biggest things. And he's got a whole lot of it. I would, like you said earlier, when you have three first swing for the fences, I, I would pick him. 
especially at 28. Yeah, definitely. That's a tremendous value. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about 41 second round? That's the area where you might see like a consensus first round pick slide a little bit, especially with the run on right-handed defensemen. There might be a run on that in the late first, early second rounds. You might see like a guy like Jagger Furcus. That's a guy that he's a really talented goal scoring center. We probably won't play center at the NHL level considering his size is about 150 pounds. So he's definitely going to put on some weight, but he showed at Moose Jaw this year that he got a lot of offensive firepower and maybe he's got another gear to his game. If he's able to put on that weight, he's an interesting option at 41 for me. Yeah. I think you know, looking at Mackenzie's list and I kind of talked about a few of the right shot guys. And I think that, you know, I'd like at 28th and may even, there at 41st but um you know if you want to go like the center route you know based off Mackenzie's list I think David Goyette um from the OHL I think he's another good one uh, we kind of talk about him a little bit and I don't want to go in too depth uh, detail just because you know we got a lot of stuff on the draft guide on these guys and don't want to give away everything right um but you know Goyette's another one that uh, I could see kind of fall in that range uh Philippe Bystead you know, is a other name uh, Matthias uh, Spoliv, a teammate of Josh Bloom, who did really well uh, with Saginaw, and they were not a good team. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, he's another fun one that you know, I think he's good size, but uh, you know, even the skating needs a little work. Uh, so he's you're, you're you're in the range of guys that you know, start seeing. You know, they got some good skill sets, but they're a little bit of a project. They got to work on some things. How about some maybe a couple hidden gems that. Maybe they can grab in the the middle to late rounds. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fun one. I love these. I you know I think just because I want to hype him up a little bit, and I don't think he's getting nearly as much love as he deserves. I have him like a, as a fringe first round talent, uh, Paul Ludwinski, and we, mm-hmm. we talked talked about him a little bit on uh, earlier when we were doing the Shane Wright thing. And you know he's just so fun to watch. That guy is got uh not to use this cliche but he's got a great motor he's got an excellent hockey iq and he's just all over the ice i think that there's way more offense there um than than he's shown to date and he could take a huge leap this next season uh, another guy i'll go with um daniel davidov he's a russian who i think for for all that's going on there he, he might even go under undrafted but he's one that always stuck out to me uh, when I was doing some Russian scouting, he's a center. He's not huge, but uh, very, very good two-way game. Um, he's got a lot of quickness to him, and you know, I think I got him. I have as a target in our draft guide. He's kind of one of the mid-round flyers, and he's maybe a little bit under the radar, but uh, I, I really liked his game, and I think he's some of that you know huge value, like just because of the Russian thing going on. Um, and then I'll throw one more out there. Uh, just because he's one that I stumbled into recently, just kind of a by accident. Uh, Joshua Farney, he's playing the Swiss League. He's an overager and just very high energy guy. You know, he's starting to come into his body. He's not huge, but you know he's physically uh, kind of like what you said with uh, Ty Nelson. He's got that kind of stockier build, so he's got some muscle on him, and he just plays a very very good two way game. Uh, very exciting to watch. And I, you know, hadn't went into that trying to find a, a hidden gem, but. Um, when I came away watching him, I'm like, wow, this guy's playing really well against men. You know, while the, the Swiss League isn't the elite of the European leagues, it's it's still professional level. And mm-hmm. 
I, I like him a lot, and, but he's one that you know, probably goes undrafted. And these are just guys that I, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I think I'm for trying to take a swing on some overagers in the later rounds. I'm looking at a guy like Logan Morrison, yep. uh, Lucas Edmonds, yeah, he's a good uh, uh, re-entry Connor McLennan who scored 40 goals last year. Uh, didn't earn a contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Rochester, they're light on. They were able to get Kisikov and Rosine in the mix. You you would think at least, but like these are guys you can give them an ELC and you can put them right in Rochester, and they're old enough to play. And that I'd say that's worth a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick in itself. I would take a shot on some of these guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely some good ones. All right, now the opposite of hidden gems. Who are some guys that you want to stay away from? Maybe some guys that the consensus will say, "Oh, this guy's a first round pick." But who, who are you not believing in this year? The first one that comes to mind, and I don't know. I mean, he showed up at the forty-four on McKenzie's list, but you know, there is some chatter recently about him, you know, maybe being a fringe first rounder is uh, Maverick Lamoureux. <laughs> massive, massive defender. He is about as raw as they come. And I mean, he's like six foot seven. He's, he just, I mean, at, at the junior level, he just physically dominates guys and he knows it. He, he is able to impose his will every single shift. And, you know, I don't, you know, you see maybe what he could become, but I'm just not there. I think the risk is way, way too much. And you know, the upside isn't really there. You know, he's too much of a perimeter guy. I don't see him sneak down low enough to the front of the net to you know, try to act as a fourth forward and drive offense you know, in transition. The, the skating isn't there for me. He's another one where you, know, you, you see such long legs and you think this guy should be able to generate huge, strong strides and he just doesn't. So there's things there that, you know, a lot of things that need to improve that I want nothing to do with him just because I don't think the upside is very high or worth it, especially where you have to take him. Um, another guy that you know, he's not, I wouldn't call him like a really well-known name um, unless you're like around us draft nerds who like <laughs> go into like the hundreds and hundred fifties of these players. Um, but like uh, Toby Roney, um, he's a Finnish guy, a center He's tall, very lanky and slight, but, you know, I, I watch him and I see him, like he gets like a second fringe third round grade and I don't see an NHL player. I see a guy that's just you know, out there that can't really drive transition on his own. He's doing adequate at the junior level where you think a guy like that should be doing much better. So he's one that, you know, if the Sabres called his, I mean, it's kind of, out of left field, but uh, you know, as far as be like, oh, I'm picking one guy in the middle rounds that I don't like. But you know, I see him <laughs> as a, I see him as like a potential second, third round pick. And like, yeah, I wouldn't even take him in the seventh. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know it's it's interesting because like I've seen people that do like him, and I'm just I'm not there with Roni. Yeah, I've been seeing Roni on like picked in the high second round in some mock drafts lately. So that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> are there any guys like? Peg to go in like the first half of the first round that you would stay steer clear of? You know, not really. I'm I think you could make the case that you know the, everyone and kind of like I said earlier, everyone's pretty close. Um, 
it's so it's really hard to say that there's a guy there that I'm afraid of taking. You know, I look down the list and I see you know, where these guys might go, and I'm like, oh, I could talk myself into that. I can, I'm okay with that. You know, it's not until you start getting later on where I start to be like, oh, if you if you take a guy having the forties, like definitely no. But um, you know, for the for the most part, that kind of consensus top thirty group is. You know, they're all very good players. And I think that goes back to our conversation earlier about, you know, this class versus last year's class where, you know, once you started to get into like past 10, 11, 12 last year, uh, there were definitely guys where I'm like, yeah, I just want nothing to do with them. And I'd rather take, you know, five other guys, even though, you know, they're, they show up on a ranking as like a top 20 talent. I'm just not, not into it. Whereas this it's year, the, I think it's, it's very deep. It's the three first round picks, I think. It does like help, you, yeah. you look at the like like a like a Connor Geeky or a Rucker McGrady who have skating deficiencies, but they're pretty good in most other places of their game. You can talk yourself into it because hey, I have three first round picks. They can work on the skating, and hopefully everything else shakes itself out. You know, yeah. Uh, like talk comparing to last year, there, there's no Logan Mayus or uh, Nolan Allen's in this first round i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty solid first round class i'm not i don't think there's gonna be many surprises here uh this is a pretty i this is a pretty deep class i'm in love with this draft class and it's a good year to have three first round picks and i hope that they keep all three of them do you think that they're gonna try and ship one of them out i'd probably say pick 28 is the one that would get moved if anything yeah maybe i mean by all accounts, it sounds like Adams is like dead set on taking and are using all three picks. So I guess I'd be really surprised if they did. And I think with because the tiers are all so close, you there really isn't much incentive to trade up or you know package one of these picks or two of these picks or whatever the case may be to, to move up. You know, I mean, unless of course Shane Wright falls to fourth overall, then you know I'm like, hey, I'll give you ninth and sixteenth to move up to four, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, and I don't know, maybe people probably wouldn't even like that, but uh, you know, Shane Ray falls up for it. Like, what do I have to do to get that to make that happen? Oh, absolutely. Would you hypothetically, Shane Wright's on the board at fourth overall, Seattle's on the clock. I, I would find it hard to believe that they wouldn't pick him, but what do you think it takes to even get in the get a seat at the table to have a conversation to move up that far from nine to four? The cost sixteen. You know what? I I don't even know if you they would do it for sixteen. You probably yeah. have to do ninth in like a, a high end prospect, like a Paterka or something like that. Uh, gee, yeah, that's too rich you for know, my blood to move up four or five spots. Yeah. Uh, At least far as Seattle, that's what I would want. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, because they don't have any extra first this year, last year, or next year. So, and I don't think they're getting any. Yeah, they need like a proven asset along with the additional pick. Yeah, you, you bring up Paterka and trading up. It reminds me of a couple of years ago when they trade up in the early second round. This is something that the Sabres have done a couple of times in the last handful of years, Asplin, Paterka. Is there a guy who is supposed to go in the late first round? You know, they're picking 41 and they're sliding a little bit. Who's someone that you could see them kind of zeroing in on, moving up a few spots to ensure that they get them? I think uh, Mishar would fall under that category. Yeah, that's the name I was thinking of yeah. too. Yeah, he'd be he'd be a really good get. Geez, and you imagine hypothetical world, ninth overall, you got 
Casper, 16, Yurov, 28. Let's say they pick Ryan Chesley. And then you got Mishar in the second round. That's yeah. a, that'd be a killer draft. I think everyone. That's what I mean. There's so many options. Excited. Like, it, it is going to be really hard to kind of walk away from this draft. Bit. I wish they would have done these things differently because like, yeah, I think you can pretty much talk yourself into any outcome. Even if for whatever reason you like, you flipped at me like like you're off and Casper. No, it's like who cares what the order is? Like you got both right. guys. Mm-hmm. I, I always say if Daniela Yurov's name was Steve Smith and he <laughs> played for the Barry Colts and he had 95 points, he'd be a top five pick. Like no offense or buts about it. It's a passport. That's yeah. it. And if that's that's the biggest knock against the guy, I, come on. You, you pick him. You pick him and worry about the rest later. That's right. And the Sabres are in a position where they can be a little patient. Because they have three first round picks, it's, you know they, we we say we've been saying it every two minutes. It seems like having the three first round picks it gives you these luxuries where you can you can wait, you can take a chance. It's nice, it's very nice. Uh, we haven't talked about Sabers prospects quite yet, so let's touch on a few guys. Uh, mentioned earlier, uh, Isaac Rosine and Alexander Kisikov. They seem like they're off to the AHL. They could be off to the AHL. Is that where? you would like to have them this coming season? Yes, definitely. I think both of them would fare much better in their development if they were under our watchful eye in Rochester. And, you know, we can kind of control them a little bit better, put them into positions to succeed. Whereas, you know, over in Russia and Sweden, I don't think that, you know, obviously those professional teams don't have that, those player developments, you know, in, they don't really care about it because you know they're trying to win they're trying to make money and you know, for them it's you know these guys are going to leave us soon so why are we going to invest our time and efforts into trying to make them a better player if they're not showing up every night and being you know a professional player in those leagues so you know, to me i would i would much rather they come over here i, I hope that they do um, i think probably more likely with rosine than kisikov but you know it's it's tough to gauge and, you know, until we get a little bit closer to that time of year where those seasons are starting up. Just think about how horrifyingly bad it would be if Rosine went back to playing Lexans and it was another situation like the last couple of years where he just doesn't get ice time. Like that's a development killer right there. Like I think it's very crucial to have him under your the organizational umbrella in Rochester. He's yes. not going to make the Sabres, but like you, they can control his ice time. There's not a whole lot signed in Rochester right now. I, does he play in the top six? Probably not, but I think it would be great if they could have him. Yeah, he's not going to be sitting the bench Buffalo. and being the 13th forward. Right. Like, and they're not going to put him in the East Coast League either. I, at least I would be really shocked if that was the case, but you definitely want to have these guys in Rochester. I think it would also be a good idea if they were able to find uh, a Russian mentor to play the Eric Stahl role for, to Dylan Cousins from last year and sit next to Kisikov in the locker room. Because I'm assuming he doesn't speak English. It's going out on a limb there. <laughs> so you want to have someone there to kind of guide him, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there any other, are there any other Sabres prospects that you wanted to touch on before 
we get into our mock draft? Um, you know, I guess I'll just real quickly touch on, you know, Tyson Kozak, Josh Bloom. I think <clears throat> both those guys really, you know, surprised me and had great seasons and for their respective teams. And I'm really looking forward to seeing their, their jumps. Um, just because of the fact that I think both of those going into the year, I had low expectations for, and, you know, you know, not only did they you know, exceed those expectations, they, they beat them by a lot. So, you know, props to them for, you know, kind of showing up and as a couple of guys that, you know, were very under the radar picks from last year. Is the 2021 class a rare class where every pick gets an ELC? They might eventually. <laughs> because judging by uh, Fortin's comments today, it sounds like they're pretty high on Steven Sardarian. I, he's probably the guy I'm the lowest on. Yeah, me uh, too. He's not, uh, I'm not there with him. Yeah, no, we'll we'll see really how he it. does at UNH, but I think it's him and Mariala, who I believe he's going to play for TPS in Liga. I thought I saw Chris Baker say that the other day, but maybe that'll be good for his development as well. So he, those are the only two guys that I there's a chance they might not be signed. But with all these draft picks coming up, I think they have 30 picks in a three-year span. As of right now, that's without any trades, trade down, where they got a couple more assets. Do you, I wonder if they decide to package some of these like fifth, sixth, sevenths. Like they've got a couple, a couple seventh rounders this year. Maybe they decide to package those and trade up in like the fourth or fifth round just to ensure they get a guy they like. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. I would, I would hope that they do something like that. Yeah, because like you can't sign them all. Like it's physically impossible to get all thirty of these prospects signed to an ELC, and you're already at a pretty big head start with the 2021 class, where you already got Power, Rosine, uh, Kisikov is signed, Nadeau and uh, Bloom are signed as well. And that's just the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyson Kozak gets an ELC over the summer here too. Yeah. All right. Any other prospects you want to touch on before we get into this mock draft? Just real quick. Nito had a great Memorial cup. He, he was another Good one. See. And he was in the charging Buffalo draft guide as a target last year. So. Poltapov was a target as well. Right. Um, yeah, I think we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I think we did. Apple. Download the draft guide. You'll know the targets before it actually comes through. So, yeah. <clears throat> also, before we move on to this mock draft, to me, Nadeau and Bloom, these guys are going to be like key contributors to the fourth line for yes. when this team is good. And because this this 2021 class, I'm telling you, it's going to turn out to be something special. Yeah, they, they did a really good job. They, Props to Adams and the staff yeah. to, to, for what they did, especially with, given the, the restrictions and the challenges with, with that COVID season. Bloom is going to be a good one. I think he had a good year last year. He's going to plan with Misha, probably, you would assume, yeah. next year. Oh, man. I you could. I think his dad's a follower of the charging Buffalo. He's a big yes. supporter, but, uh, Papa Bloom. yeah, he's, he's a fun guy, but I think we're going to really see Josh Bloom take some strides and him and Nadeau, I believe are on Canada's short list for the world juniors. So yes, that, that'll yes, be they did get the invite. All right. So I've got the future considerations mock draft tool up. I have simulated to the ninth overall pick. I'm going to go through, 
the draft order here. First overall pick, a shocker. The Montreal Canadiens select Logan Cooley. The Devils end up with Shane Wright. Coyotes get Uri Slavkovsky. The Seattle Kraken select Matthew Savoy. Flyers get Joachim Kemmel. Pavel Mintyukov to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ottawa for like the seventh year in a row, grab a left shot D, Kevin Korchinski. And Frank Nazar goes to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I don't think this is very realistic at at all. Uh, Simon Nemitz. I was going to say, I have Nemitz there. Both on the board. (laughs) Nemitz, Nemitz, Nemitz. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think we're in agreement there. Simon Nemitz. uh, The Sabres didn't even print out the nameplate for his jersey. They weren't even expecting it. (laughs) He's got a blank jersey on the stage. Jonathan LaCaramaki goes to the Ducks. Cutter Goche, Sharks. Uh, David Juracek to the Blue Jackets. Brad Lambert to the Islanders. Yurov to the Jets. And Rutger McGroarty to the Vancouver Canucks. Who's the pick? Uh, Who's the BPA there? On their their list, at least. On their list, they got Casper, Matejchuk, Liam Ogren, Owen Pickering, Ryan Chesley. We'll take Casper. All right. Well, I, I would go on to say that this is a unexpectedly great draft <laughs> so far. Yes, I can. I have the freedom to take my a forward at 28 now. Uh, the Predators go off the board, go Jagger Furcus, uh, Denton Matechuk to the Stars, Ike Howard to the Wild, Liam Ogren to the Washington Capitals, Gleb Trikazov goes to the Penguins at 21. Ryan Chesley to the Ducks, Noah Ostland, 23, to the Blues, Ivan Marashashenko goes to the Wild, Connor Geeky, his slide ends, going to the Leaps at 25, Owen Pickering to Montreal at 26, and Yuri Kulich, 27, to the Coyotes. Uh, oh. BPA for future considerations list has Leon Bichal, uh, Nathan Gauthier, Philip Meshar, Lane Hudson, Seamus Casey. Oh, Mishar. All right. I think we're both in agreement on that one. I think people very are going to be very upset that we didn't pick uh, Leon Bichelle there. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Let someone else pick them. Mishar is, is awesome. All right. Next pick. Okay. Whoever. Okay. The Oilers took a second there, but they go with David Goyette. <laughs> Jimmy Snuggerud goes to the Jets. Gauthier to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the, oh, it looks like they only did the first round. Okay, here we go. Lane Hudson goes 33rd to the Canadiens. Seamus Casey to the Coyotes. Maverick Lamoureux goes to the Seattle Kraken. Coyotes go with Bystat, Julian Lutz, Owen Beck. And now the Sabres are on the clock. Ty Nelson, Matias Havlid, Luca Dalbelbaluz, Yanni Nyman. Those are the BPA. We'll go with that. Dalbelbaluz. 30 goal score in the OHL at pick 41. We'll take it. Yes, we will. And it looks like our Zoom timer is. 
approaching. So we'll stop it uh, the second yeah, round. Nobody that's, needs to hear me talk about. Who that's I okay. One hundred fifty to two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to hear about those guys, go download the Charging Buffalo Draft Guide, which is set to release in a couple days. What day exactly is Sunday it? Sunday at ten a.m. Sunday at ten a.m. Uh, we got to have a pretty nice sneak peek at it. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, a lot of work over over the course of the year, really. Uh, we didn't start like actually getting diving into the content until probably the last three four months. But we've been watching these guys since the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, I was say, of, our season starts in yeah. September. And, <laughs> and then, lots of money spent. Uh, <laughs> Shelling out for hockey TV, the CHL TV package. Uh, well worth it, though. Very fulfilling uh, for me, at least, uh, seeing the end product. Uh, very proud of it. And Curtis is the ringleader of this operation. He puts this together every year. Uh, graphics team does a great job. Jared leading the way. Uh, top to bottom, great effort. Uh, and what were we at? Forty thousand words, something yeah, crazy like that. We just got over forty thousand. I think yeah, the first year we were like around seventeen thousand. We got up over twenty-five thousand last year, and now we're up over forty. So you know, got a very strong team of, of scouts. You know, the, the graphics team's amazing, and it's a really good group of guys to work with. So, like you said, uh, you know, real proud of the final product here. It's it's great, and you know, we're just really excited for people on. Sabres Twitter to get their hands on and take a look at it and consume it during the draft. Yeah, definitely give it a download. It's free. I mean, it's not very common where you're going to find something of this quality for this price point, which is nothing. So <laughs> uh doesn't hurt to give it a download. I highly recommend it. I'm not just saying that because I contributed. So be on the lookout for that Sunday, 10 a.m. Uh, Curtis, you have any parting thoughts before we sign off? Uh, no, just uh, let's get to the draft and see what we got. Yeah, about a week. Uh, very excited. I will hope we get to see some trades, hopefully a goalie. Uh, we got to see a nice little storm on Twitter today over 42-year-old Craig Anderson signing a one-year deal. So hopefully that gets put to rest pretty soon. And Luke and I will be back. We're recording the night of the 4th of July. Uh, maybe you'll hear some fireworks in the background. But yeah, uh, should be a good one. Once again, thank you, Curtis, for hopping on. Uh, again, check out his podcast, Austin Broad, the future of the 716 podcast. Uh, don't want to miss it. I'm assuming there's going to be lots of content over the next couple of weeks for you guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. And some articles and there'll be a lot of, a lot of draft coverage post um, once we get all our selections in yeah and the world juniors are coming up as well and hopefully there will be some sabers representation not too bad and then uh, just a few months later four or five months later yes. the next world juniors so can't get enough of that uh super exciting and then free agency is just a couple of weeks away as well july 13th uh free agency day supposed to be tomorrow or today whenever you're listening to this july 1st Hopefully they get back to that timeline pretty soon, but nevertheless uh, excited that the big days of the off season are finally coming. Uh, thank you for listening to the cautiously optimistic podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, love having the guests on uh, shout out to Anthony Chandra, who was on 
few weeks ago. And also Curtis, who was so gracious to donate some of his time on a Thursday night to be on the podcast. So once again, thank you, Curtis. Uh, You're welcome on any time. And we appreciate you all for listening and we will see you in the next one.